Hi, folks. Thanks so much for joining us. So important, particularly at this time that we unite together around God's Word and take a common journey. Whatever our circumstances, we can take a common spiritual journey together, united around God's Word. One thing that we will never lock down is the good news that we find in God's Word. Today, we're going to turn to the Old Testament and we're going to look at the amazing book of Joshua. The book of Joshua tells the story of the conquest of the land that God had promised to His people, Israel. Now, if you're new to the story of the Bible, you may well be familiar with this famous story of the exodus of Israel from Egypt under Moses. Well, after that event, God led the Israelites to the border of the promised land and told them to go in and take it. But they lacked the strength and the courage of faith in God to step into God's promise. And as a result, they turned back and ended up wandering in the desert for 40 years until that whole faithless generation died out. By the time we get to the book of Joshua, this has happened and the new generation under the faithful Joshua is being given another chance to go in and take the land. Now today, we're going to look at Joshua chapter 1 and one particular theme actually in Joshua chapter 1, God's exhortation to Joshua and what that means for us today. But before we look at this, I want to say something about this issue of military conquest, given how, uh, I guess, how off-putting this can be for many people. A lot of people uh, reject the Bible because of these kinds of stories about conquest. Ironically, however, the very values of love and grace that make people feel this way also come from the Bible, in particular the teaching of Jesus. Now, we address this issue at greater depth actually in the Thrive Deeper podcast. And, and I encourage you to listen to that. The one on, there's one actually uh, on the beginning of Joshua, we cover these issues. And also the one on Deuteronomy where the conquest edict is given, that's covered in greater length there. So if you want to go into depth, Thrive Deeper podcast, uh, important resource for us as a church for some of those details. But let me summarise it quickly. The conquest of Canaan was a one-off act of divine judgment designed to prefigure the final great day of judgment still to come. There is a wonderful strand of grace running through the Old Testament that culminates in the person and the ministry of Jesus Christ. But grace, which means favour for the undeserving, only has meaning against the backdrop of the judgment we do deserve. Also, it should probably be said that in the ancient world, these events are really nothing out of the ordinary. In fact, a God who claims preeminence without destroying other gods, and that's of course how military battles in the ancient world were understood, a God claiming preeminence who doesn't destroy other gods is incomprehensible in the context of the ancient world. So God's speaking here in a language ancient people understood. So the conquest of Canaan also symbolises the breaking in of God's rule of peace on earth that would happen from the time of Jesus Christ and is now unfolding. 
Jesus, whose Hebrew name, by the way, is Yeshua or Joshua, like his namesake, inaugurated a battle, but not a physical battle. It's a spiritual battle against the spiritual forces of evil that bind human beings in guilt and condemnation. It's not a battle against people, it's a battle for people. We see the D-Day of this battle in Jesus' death and resurrection and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit described in the book of Acts, which then goes on really to narrate the opening battles of this great war, of this great conquest. Again, not a conquest of force or military might, but a conquest in which darkness conquers light, where love conquers all fear, where grace conquers guilt and alienation, and in which a loving God conquers our hearts and establishes His rule of peace within us. So appropriate then to move from a series on the book of Acts, which Boaz beautifully finished off for us last week, to move from a series on the book of Acts to the book of Joshua. Because we can learn so much about what is required in our battle from its prefiguration in the story of Joshua. Interestingly, when we look at the book of Joshua, we find exactly the same challenges and exhortations as we do in the book of Acts. Do you remember, what is the great exhortation of the book of Acts? Resoundingly through the whole book of Acts. You remember what it is. Step out in boldness and you will find that God's purpose will prevail without hindrance through all adversity. That is exactly the same message in the book of Joshua. Okay, so let's turn to Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. In other words, make sure you stick with the plan. Then it says, then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. 
This exhortation, of course, to strength and courage to Joshua is given in the light of the previous generation's failure to take the ground that was promised to them because of doubt and fear. God's saying to Joshua, don't be like them. Don't live in doubt and fear. Live in the confidence of faith. I wonder if you find yourself living in doubt and fear. Maybe you aren't moving ahead into the life God has promised to you because you're just racked with doubts. Maybe doubts if there even is a God or if God will really come through for you and you're afraid of the cost, maybe afraid of the adversity. And so you never step out into God's calling when ironically it's stepping into God's calling that confirms that it is true. It's the only way to conquer doubt and fear is to step into it. And so you end up in a kind of doubt, fear, paralysis. Well, if that's you, today I want to pray the prayer that the early church prayed. Do you, know the, do you remember, for those who have followed this series, what is the first recorded prayer in the book of Acts? What did they pray for, the early church, in the first recorded prayer in the book of Acts? They prayed for boldness to never shut down God's Word for boldness so that whatever else happens, the testimony, the light will shine out of God's people. They prayed for boldness. This is what it says in Acts 4.31. It says, and they were all filled. This is after they prayed this prayer for boldness. It says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. That's where the strength comes from. That's where the boldness comes from. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. And so the light that was in them began to conquer the darkness that was around them because they wouldn't shut that down. God is saying to you, to us, I believe this is so pertinent to today. God is saying to us, the pathway ahead is going to require renewed strength and courage of faith. God has put His goodness and grace in you, within you, like a light, like a great light within you. But we can be like those shops, you know, that have these big metal roller doors that they bring down over the shop window. Maybe we're afraid of identifying with Christ Church because of all the misconceptions and the scorn that's often levelled at the church. And some of that is probably justified. But how is that ever going to change if we keep the big metal doors down? How is that ever going to change if they don't meet someone that represents Christ Church well? You know, it only takes one good example. I've... I've heard stories of this again and again and again for people that just couldn't stand any thought of Christianity or the church. It only took one good example of a Christian truly shining the light of God's love and grace that changed everything. You know why? Because light always dispels 
darkness. Light conquers all. But it takes strength and courage to be that good example, to pull up the big metal roller door, to let people see the light within so that they'll know what it's really about. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Boldness. Strength, courage means being willing to open up the doors and windows of our hearts to be boldly open about our faith. Strength, courage. Now from here, I want to make two points, related points. First, I want to talk about what this call to strength and courage doesn't mean for us. And secondly, what it does mean for us. And the one will kind of blend into the other as we go along. You see, to show the strength and courage that God wants from us, we have to be very clear on which battles we're meant to be fighting. There's no virtue to showing strength and courage in the wrong battle. It's very likely that a call to strength and courage will make some people think that this means, you know, I don't know, starting a rebellion against the system. That actually is what the Jewish people in the first century wanted. And it's exactly what Jesus warned them against. Jesus taught them that the only way to win the spiritual battle was to absorb the injustices of their culture and focus on and focus on embodying and speaking the good news of God's love and grace. And to a people who regularly suffered harm and robbery from the Roman occupation of Palestine, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5, if anyone strikes you on the cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go an extra mile with him. And all of these things were being done unjustly. People would have been staggered by these things. They would have listened to this saying, no, 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 we need to fight for the land like Joshua. But you see, Jesus was leading them into a greater battle than that of Joshua. Not for the land of Israel, but for the earth. Not a physical battle, but a greater spiritual battle. And a spiritual battle is one with spiritual weapons. And such a battle requires a more extraordinary kind of strength and courage. As God said to Joshua, if we stick to the plan, if we stick to God's decrees, the way that God said to do it, we will prevail. 
Listen, whenever Christians had stuck to the plan, the plan of shining the light of Jesus, they have prevailed and their influence has been unstoppable. But as I said, this requires extraordinary strength and extraordinary courage. But God wants to give you that if you are willing to join the mission. As I've said before, God gives His weapons, His spiritual gifts to those who enlist in the fight. Let me give you an example of what this extraordinary strength and courage looks like in action to clarify what God is asking of us. And I think this is important because I think these points are gonna, that I'm making are going to be increasingly relevant as we move into the future that is actually predicted in Scripture. And it's an example from Paul's letter to Titus. One of the issues for the early church was the temptation of downtrodden people having had their full human dignity and status affirmed by the Christian message to then want to rebel against the unjust societal structures that hindered their freedom. This was particularly the case for women and slaves. See, the early church affirmed the absolute equality and dignity of all people. And it recognised recognise the injustice of these societal systems. And in fact, as Christian influence uh, spread these societal systems, they actually changed. And of course, that's desirable. Well, many of them changed slowly. But, and this is, this is my point. People, the, new, the Christians in the New Testament were always urged to focus on the higher goal. This brings me to Titus. The early church leaders consistently urged Christians to be willing to forego all their rights. Think about that. This is so countercultural in such a rights-oriented culture like ours, which is why I want to remind us of that. The early church leaders, again, starting with Jesus and Paul, consistently urged Christians to be willing to forego their rights for the sake of, the, of this mission. They urged them, to, as Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, to have the same mindset, and I quote, the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance of, as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Okay, so to Paul's letter to Titus. He tells Titus to pass this message onto the Christian slaves whose full humanity had been affirmed by the Christian message and who were therefore tempted to fight for their rights and rebel against their masters. And although Paul believes that slavery is a terrible system, yet he says this in Titus chapter 2, from verse 9. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that, and this is the important bit, so that in every way, 
They will make the teaching about God, our Saviour, attractive. Sacrifice everything for the message. And Paul, who writes this, he would give his life for that message. He did. That, folks, that is the boldness. That is the strength and courage that God is asking of us. That's the battle that we're meant to fight. Peter, the Apostle Peter, says to the early church, and he says this under the rule of the Emperor Domitian, who was avidly and blatantly anti-Christian, not some hidden conspiracy, but blatantly anti-Christian and who systematically persecuted the church. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong, commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the talk, the ignorant talk of foolish people. He's just telling them to do exactly what Jesus said when he said, if someone strikes you, turn the other cheek. If they ask you to go a mile, go the extra mile. And then Peter goes on, interestingly, and like Paul, addresses slaves. And he says this, Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God, because they are conscious of God and the mission of God, of course. Verse verse 20, But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in His steps. That, folks, is the kind of strength and courage that is required for us in this spiritual battle now. Strength and courage to sacrifice everything for the mission. Now look, we're currently living through a very complex global situation and everyone has their opinion about whether national or even world powers are handling it rightly and justly. Now for my part, I choose not to quarrel with the government. I've chosen not to deliberately because I would have to, in order to have that quarrel, I would have to feel like I knew better than them and humility beckons me to think otherwise. But maybe you do know better. So let him who knows more than everyone else cast the first stone. The rest of us should focus on doing what Peter and Paul told us to do and, and I quote, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, for the Lord's sake, to make the message more attractive, everything for the mission. And you should do this even if you are convinced that they are wrong and unjust. Why? Because there is a more important battle to fight. 
Not a fight for your personal rights, but a fight in which you sacrifice all of your rights for the mission of Christ, who, to quote Philippians 2 again, to labour the point, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, and you know the rest. That is strength and courage. That is how we win the fight. As it says in one of the songs in Revelation 12 that celebrates the victory of God's people over Satan's schemes. Revelation 12, 11, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. That is strength and courage. We are a people with a testimony of God's love and grace in Jesus Christ. And we need to sacrifice everything for that. So as Paul says to Titus, so that in every way we will make the teaching about God, our Saviour, attractive. God forbid that we would ever become a people who are all too ready to share our opinions, but hide our testimony. Let me give you some biblical advice. Be humble and guarded with your opinions, but bold and open with your testimony. Strength and courage in this present circumstance means standing on a higher plane and fighting a more noble fight. Doesn't mean being rash, reckless and forceful. Listen to what Jesus says when He sends His disciples out on His mission. In Matthew 10, He says from verse 16, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. God gives His weapons to those who enlist in the fight. Interestingly, we saw actually a couple of weeks ago, I pointed out how this very promise about testifying before kings and governors, we see fulfilled in Acts chapters 25 and 26, when Paul stands trial before the governor of the land, along with the king, along with all the leading people. Now, what does Paul do in that situation? Contend for his rights? Share his opinions? on the Roman legal system? No, he shares his testimony. He shares his testimony of the grace of Jesus Christ. He stuck with the plan, folks, and he sacrificed everything for the mission 
Let's get with the plan. Listen, the light of Christ is in you. But maybe you are like one of those shop fronts that has installed a big metal roller door to pull down over the whole window. There's light inside and there's good things in the shop to share, but you're afraid. Maybe you're afraid that people will reject you. So you pull down that big metal roller door. That's the kind of lockdown we really should be concerned about. Now you may be all too happy to display posters of all of your opinions on the outside of that big metal roller door. And ironically, that may even be the thing that makes people reject you, not your testimony. Now don't claim persecution when that happens. Again, be humble and guarded with your opinions, but bold and open with your testimony about the love of Christ. You know, it actually makes things worse when we hide in fear because people get the idea that we're part of some weird exclusive little society, something to be ashamed of. Otherwise, why would they be hiding? Why would they be hiding it? No, no, this is the best news in the world, folks. This is the most powerful message in the world. Like this is the light, let it out. God is saying to us, as He said to Joshua and Israel, on the cusp of the conquest of the promised land, be strong and courageous. And He said this against the backdrop of a former generation who didn't inherit their promised land because they were just a bunch of whingers. Because all they could see was the hardship and the opposition and the risk. God is calling us to an uncommon, countercultural strength and courage. And He will give that strength and that courage to those who enlist in the fight, to those who get with the plan. So, who's going to step into this plan? This is going to be increasingly relevant as we move into the future. So important. There are going to be forces that are going to want to distract us from this. But we must never be distracted. And we must give all for the mission. Who's willing? Who out there watching on your screens is willing to unite around this mission? If you are, then I encourage you to join me as I pray for you right now, as the early church prayed, for strength, courage, and boldness. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you give your gifts, your weapons, you're spiritual equipping for those who enlist in the fight. So today we say, yes, Lord, we will give all for this mission. Today I say, Lord, I, yes, send me, Lord. And may all who pray this with me say the same thing. Yes, Lord, I will go. I enlist for this mission. 
And Father, for all who are praying that prayer today, Lord, even now, wherever we're watching from, I pray spiritual strength, courage and boldness. That you would fill us with your Spirit. That we may shine your light that we may pull up, that we may have the strength and courage to pull up that big metal roller door and let the light shine out. And may Your light conquer darkness. We say, yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus. Lord, give us courage, make us brave. Lord, You make us brave. You make me brave as the song that we're about to sing says. You make me brave, Lord. You call us out beyond the waves. You call us out, Lord God, to places of faith. And we say, yes, Lord, we will go. And we give ourselves to this in Jesus' Name. And everyone said from wherever we are, Amen.